0: Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. Everyday Sniper. Parental advisory <laughs> recommended. Whatever he says. I don't even know anymore, mm-hmm. man. For uh, mature audiences. As yeah, if ma- we're mature. Yeah. Rated. E for. <laughs> everyday Sniper. <laughs> <laughs> Rated E for everyone. Welcome back. This is Mike from Mile High Shooting. Mike's here and Frank from Sniper's Hall. And I went coyote hunting a couple weekends ago. Did you? Did you yeah. go with Adam? In so that that's day? what that. Yeah. So that's one of those things where, like, I'm trying to find some personal time to mm-hmm. do some cool stuff. And um, it's what, what was your rig up on coyotes, man? Did you go out
1: to the range or did you go somewhere else?
0: No, we went up to the mountains. Oh, you, uh, yeah, by we, um, uh, Diane. Um, Adam's got a mountain property up there. Oh, that's right. On the next to Diane, <laughs> though, right? Isn't it? There's. It's across the. It's across the highway from her. Okay. So um, it's about 40 minutes from that location. And man, I want to say he's probably got like 130 some odd acres or something like that. Oh, so nice. we can get up there and just like really do some cool stuff. And it was kind of like I've used night vision before, mm-hmm. but this was like a whole nother level because like in the using military, twenty six. Um, he has
1: my David Tubb twenty six. I sold to Randy and Randy. He's gave using
0: it. a T three, um, the clip on thermal. Oh, yeah, he had thermal. Yeah, and then we're using a. 26 and a 21 24
1: yeah the 26 was my old one
0: and um we had some illuminators and stuff like that so i'll talk about some of that stuff but it was just it was a fun experience because one it was the boys it was me paul and adam mm-hmm. and we had we had gone up the day we helped to move some stuff mm-hmm. and then the plan was okay we're gonna go out at night and we have you know a bunch of ar rifles like just builder like lego ar rifles mm-hmm. But we have like literally like $130,000 with of night vision equipment with us. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? It's like it's ridiculous like to go hunt these dogs. <clears throat> I don't care what anybody says. I think a coyote is probably the smartest freaking predator that is out there, period. So we started, I want to say, at like 11 o'clock. Paul's got a uh, PVS-14 mm-hmm. with the white fos. Yep. Which do white is nice white is hands down what you want if you're getting into night vision and you can get your hands on white yeah. get your hands on white. white
1: we did that group buy from a uh, hunter at mod armory oh and they were still selling all the white tubes yeah. for everybody yeah. white's where it's at
0: white's where it's at so we get a lot of that stuff too we get all most of our stuff comes from l3 so we have mm-hmm. the twenty one twenty fours. we get the bnvds the binos the yep. the dual tube um, the dual tube in white Foss is freaking crazy. It's like you're just walking around in the daytime, no problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was using a green PVS-14, and then Adam had a handheld thermal imager, and then each one of our guns had some type of night vision device on there. So Adam would find it with the thermal. There's an IR laser that's on the monocular, he and he'd point at it, and then we'd look at it with the night vision, and he'd circle the area with it, right? And we're like, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we turn on our uh, our IR illuminators <laughs> and flood the area with, you know, mm-hmm. IR light. And then you can see, like, eyes reflecting and everything like that. It was really cool. So um, we got smoked, though. So check this out. <clears throat> we went to three separate locations. We had the call going and everything. And Adam's got this call down, dude. So he does, does like, he have the electronic. or Yeah, he he's gonna... got an electronic push-button deal, but it's got a menu of things that you can do. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he hits one, and it's like some Animal that's dead. It sounds terrible. I'm like it kind of gives you, makes you want to cringe, you know. And it's like a dead rabbit or something, or a dying rabbit. It's like, and it's everything's quiet, right? And then you might hear something off in the distance, right? So when they start calling to us, Adam will flip the script and call back to them with the coyote. Oh, nice, right? So he kind of has their language worked out. He's like the coyote whisperer. Mm -hmm, okay? Okay. So, dude, these coyotes that we called in in the third position. We're like a mile and a half away up on this hill. Would I have any idea? Fuck no. He's the one with the thermal, so he's like, "We're getting ready to pack it in." I'm like, "Dude, I think we got smoked on this deal, you know?" So me and Paul are just kind of like getting our shit all kind of put together, and Adam turns around, he's looking through his thermal, and he goes, "Here they come." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit!" So we turn our tripods around, you know, and start looking that area, and you can hear him calling as they're getting closer. They're calling. They're trying to figure out where we're at in relation to them. Well, there's a ravine that comes down to the right, and they're coming from the wind side. Mm-hmm. So the ravine comes down to the right, and we're like, dude, they come down this ravine. We got interlocking sectors of fire, <laughs> defense in depth. I mean, we're, like, we're hooked up. We're ready to fucking smoke these dogs. Well, instead, they went down to the left, and they called back to us again. So we called back to them, and then we didn't hear from them for, I don't know, a good five, ten minutes-ish. And five, ten minutes is a long time when you're sitting in the dark, yeah, yeah, you Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're just kind of waiting, looking around, scanning the area, and then we hear them behind us. So They circled around? They, well, they went three quarters of a mile down, turned, and came back around through another way. And then when, when we heard them coming from behind us, we turned back around, and there was four of them. But the four, you can only see only the top of their nose and their eyes were peeking over like a little hill. So, I mean, you had, dude, you had, like, three inches of area that you could start shooting. And I'm, like, I'm dialed in on this one. He's probably, like, 200 yards out, but my gun's set for 100. So I'm just, like, I'll just hold at the top of his ears, you know. Like, just hold, like, just right at the top of his scalp, you know. I'm, like, I'll smoke this fool. Go ahead and stick your head up a little bit more. And then one of them yiped, and they all took off. And I was, like, ah, blast. (laughs) <laughs> but they were there and we know that they're out there so we'll go again we'll do a little mm-hmm. more like i'm not You're gonna a, have
1: to play cat and mouse with yeah them. i'm not yeah.
0: a big hunter so i don't have like all the little scent be gone stuff and like we were driving around in a ranger hoping to just call some dumb ones in but i think all the dumb ones are dead yeah you know? probably like these ones are super smart up there out in the plains like you call them in because it's flat they come running, they just come running in right in just, yeah, that's what yeah. i because the
1: ones every, every time i've ever shot them they've just trot right in
0: Yep. So the night vision stuff is super cool. So all the stuff from last year that I was working on, or this year, I should say, this entire year, I've been working on my spotting setup, like mm-hmm. all the stuff I need for my spotter, my task, a good tripod, a range finder, all the cinema stuff, and then, of course, the uh, the spotting scope. Yeah, yeah. Like getting all that dialed in so I don't have to spend. I gotta give you to my
1: eyepiece spend... so you can swap it out for me.
0: Yeah, I gotta send in that other one too. Um, I'm, I made it so I don't have to spend any more money on that. Right. Like did it all right and good to go now next year night vision yeah paul is using this thing it's called a mall dude sure i got you got pre- some stuff i give you yeah, yeah? i got i got kick help. it down yeah, yeah, son yeah, yeah, look yeah. what i got in the mail the other day yep wilcox for the helmet yeah. what up
1: i got some i don't
0: use bring it on
1: I, I i have a 14 it's a good one but it's not it's green it's an old yeah. one but then i have pointers too that you guys can play with flood and shit oh yeah. yeah 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 like right. take the fucking go go through
0: go through your stuff and let me know what you got. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll kind of we'll dig through it like a garage sale or something. Exactly,
1: but it, um yeah. Then um shit, I forgot what else I was gonna say with that.
0: Nah, that's that's pretty much it. That know. mall that uh, Paul's got. hmm So it's the commercial one. They make a commercial and a and yeah. like a military one. Dude, that thing compared to a D ball or like any peck that's out there, it was like a floodlight.
1: Oh yeah, yeah! I was like,
0: "Oh my God!" Steiner, you guys do the Steiner stuff.
1: It works uh-huh, really yeah. good.
0: Yeah, the Steiner, the D balls work mm-hmm. really well. Um, this thing is like set up for all that special forces, you know. I crazy was into stuff. it a lot and it's more. It's twice the price, right. you know. So I mean, you get what you pay for. But if you want something that's going to work really well as far as a laser aiming device plus you mm-hmm. know an IR lamp or something like that, D ball is definitely the way to go.
1: We used to do all the classes. Um, we 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 did the qual. For all the Simrad stuff, so if you were a unit that used Simrad or a government agency, we did their qual for them. So I did a lot with that, and then with the ABSOC guys, the Air Force was probably who I did the most night vision stuff with, next to Rangers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that was, you know, just doing the sniping shots at night and everything. But we we used it. The, my favorite was with the Air Force because those guys are a little bit more not necessarily snipers they're a little mix and but they still came to us for all their classes so they had all brand new shit mm-hmm. you know so it was always good to do the air force classes for night vision yeah the
0: shit's not all beat up
1: right right It was yeah. all brand new. dude it was yeah. all brand new they were oh, they opened plastic when they showed up with any absoc class the guys that came if it was a unit like we did a lot of the um combat weathermen and the tac p's and the pjs the combat weathermen and attack peas when they finished their initial schools would come to us mm-hmm. and do their like sort of advance before they went to their combat schools, and all their shit was brand new yeah. out of the plastic. That's good. So yeah, it was cool. But um, yeah, let's talk. to You we got your scopes here. Well, we mentioned in the last podcast, uh, Mark fives. And a lot of we, we see a lot of Leopold guys who are at the Snipers Hide Cup and they're shooting the Mark fives last year at the Precision Rifle Expo. The Leopold guys were there with the Mark Fives, and I talked with those guys there. And and I know there's not a lot of review review stuff on Mark Fives because always people always come on the hide and say, "Hey, you know, Mark Five. I don't see a lot on it, but I think they're a good solid. Well, honestly, I think it's probably one of Leopold's best scopes in a lot of years. Hands down. So, yeah. I, so I, I said the, it before.
0: I did the I did the Academy with Buck, and I want to I want to say a few things about that first is hands down as far as factory training goes with any type of scope manufacturer mm-hmm. that was the best I experience leopold that i had like ever with a scope manufacturer because when he came in he came to us and did the powerpoint at the at the shop with us so there was like five or six of us there that got this training mm-hmm. and we stayed after hours and jammed like a whole lot of time into a short amount of time but we got a lot out of it because of the way that, they, that he presented the information. Yeah, yeah. So you can tell that he's kind of seasoned in that respect. I mean, a really good instructor, kept you engaged, talked to the audience, kind of got to know you beforehand, you know, brought up some you know, personalized stuff with him and his service and everything like mm-hmm. that, and what he's done in the past, which I think adds a lot of credibility to it. But the biggest thing that, like, it, it administratively, is he did not need to put down another scope to tell us how good this scope is.
1: Sure, and you don't y- have to. Y- yeah. I don't like and the comparisons I, myself. Yeah. I don't like people, when people go, should I buy scope A or scope B? Who gives a shit, dude? Buy the one that the radical speaks to you, but if you're usually comparing a $2,800 scope to a 2850, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah dude, you pick the one that the features
0: speak to you. Yeah. And well, that and that was the thing. It was like he brought the features to the table and he said, "Yeah, there's other scope manufacturers out there that do this, this and this, but this is where we shine." Right. And right. this is what we do. And it was it, it wasn't again like well, I got to put these guys down to make my yeah. product look better. It was a very, you know, there was a lot of integrity that was built mm-hmm. into and, that. And talk a little bit personally. about
1: that. Um, I was going to tell you just and this would be a quick side note and then you can go on about what you learned. But we had been we've been doing the scope testing and all the classes and Mark keeps the um, mark, the, keeps log. The, the log. Yeah. And so we
0: with the percentages, the old
1: of, Mark yeah. fours, we had a lot of problems with. And these are like a lot of government guns and stuff that we've tested. And, and it's usually older Leopold's Mark IVs that don't track very well. And so we would say something on the podcast or say something in the, in the um, post about, hey, we just tested out of four Leopold's, three of them weren't 100%. Well, Leopold came to Mark's shop in Alaska, their rep up there and sat down with him and is actually inviting him to uh, the factory and do a factory mm-hmm, tour, which is the
0: way to do it. Because there's right. a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. And a I've lot of people there. don't know about well, it. I've been yeah. there.
1: I've done it. Uh, I've been in Leopold. Um, and so Mark's probably going to go do that. So they are really working. Um, and, and I think the Mark five is definitely one area of shine for these scopes. So go ahead and tell us what you learned. So
0: um, what I got from the manufacturer, because I was like, hey, we're going to do a podcast on this and I want to bring Buck on. And this is kind of a preliminary kind of deal. But, um, anything that I don't cover in this, I'd like him to cover and kind of give his thoughts and views. Cause we had a lot of the same attitude towards it where I was like, you know, Leopold was not really a, a player for me until the Mark V came out. And he right. was like, dude, that is the same way I feel. He's like, that's why I'm going around, you know, talking about this thing and why, why it is the way it is. Um, and just the notes that they sent me. So it's available in two models, which we all know the 25 to 25 and 3.6 to 18, um, they put in a lot of effort into this and figured out the power ranges that everybody wants. So they can, yeah. they only had to do it once. Um, design with the input from the elite shooters. Uh, let's see here.
1: And they are in the backyard, like Carl Taylor and where mm-hmm. we have the cup. That's why that's Leopold's backyard up there in Washington and Oregon and all that.
0: Here's one that's really gonna stand out to a lot of people is that they don't have a lot of unnecessary weight to them. And I'll give you those weight specs here shortly. Um, Edge to edge clarity. A lot of people claim that stuff. When you're looking at it, you're looking for the flatness of the actual glass. You're not, yeah. you, you know, when it comes to And they'll to, put blockers the in. Yeah. yeah,
1: they put blockers around the edge so you get the edge edge. And and we talk about that. There's a lot of distortion in the edges of optics. And when we start putting reticles out there, there's distortion that comes up. So when they're talking about flat glass and edge to edge clarity, they're putting something in there so you're not seeing that bit of distortion and it's one of the reasons i don't like to get out of that center third of a scope because that's the sweet spot and we don't see that 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 uh, barrel distortion in different things so
0: here's something for you guys to google and look at as well is the twilight max hd light management system twilight Ooh. max hd light management system. That sounds impressive. So it delivers the perfect balance of image and color and contrast, light transmission and glare management. Ooh. So Fancy. watch out for that. So, and um, that's a one, one of the things you'll see when you look into a loophole and you look into a couple of high end scopes and stuff like that, what you're looking for in that glare management is basically the ridges that are inside the front. Um, uh, yeah, they
1: put, basically it looks On like- On the, the objective ins- side. Yeah, if you look inside a scope tube, looks like it's threaded inside and what that's doing is it's preventing the secondary light waves from scattering and diverting and splitting. And what secondary light waves do would give you glare and lens flare. And so what they'll do is that's like a dampening system. So when those secondary light waves hit those ridges, they, they, they're, they're gone. And so then your picture looks crisp and clear and you don't get a lot of lens flare light and
0: distraction in there. Which allows them to use this type of uh, scope and that low light stuff too, mm-hmm. because you're you know, where's that primaries. sun? Yeah, where's that sun? It's going down over the ridge. Secondary and light waves that. are bad. Yeah, and you're looking towards that direction. You're gonna, uh, it's really gonna shine in, and, in that, and, no pun intended. Like
1: US Optics Honeycomb ARD is designed specifically, because if you look at a US Optic Honeycomb ARD, it's it's thick the honeycomb's are big and they it's a tube like each honeycomb is a honeycomb tube that goes down the inside of that sunshade so the entire inside of the sunshade has that honeycomb system in it that's meant to direct primary light waves down in a straight line into your scope and not get that lens flare that we're talking about
0: so they have a zero lock system. So the M5C3 zero lock adjustments are the heart of the Mark V HD. It what it does basically it, it provides precise and repeatable tracking and dead on to zero. So you got 30 mils up of adjustment, or you got 30 mils of adjustment, right? And then you have three turns, which is made possible because it has a 35 millimeter main tube, and that's how they they redesigned the entire erector housing for this particular scope. So that main tube. The reason why uh, scope tubes are getting bigger and bigger. So the reason why they're doing that is because the parts in there are staying the same. It's just allowing that movement. More elevation. More elevation, more wind. It's not light.
1: It's just just, scope tubes aren't light because the erectors inside are the same size, like Mike
0: just said. Right. It's it's that movement they're looking for. It's the movement on the inside. And the nice thing with this
1: lock, because I like this turret for Leopold. This is one of my favorite ones. I have it on the Mark Six like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. And what here it is, he's got the push button unlock, right? But then you can also push it and go, it'll go one mil below zero. Yes. So he has a zero stop, one mil set below but he also has a lock at zero. Yep. So, so it's when really I wind dull. it down,
0: it locks at zero and it stops. Right, now, or you can go below zero if you need it. Right, so you have your uh, cattails built in already, so your, mm-hmm. your switch view, if you wanna call it that. But on the turret itself, it has indicators, which there are other manufacturers out there that have indicators, but they don't have dead on indicators that you can visually see or feel. You have to look for them through the turret cap that makes sense so it's on the stem of the actual um, of the turret itself underneath the cap so your markers for your oh yeah when you're going up yeah 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 so when you're going up on this guy and you can hear those those positive clicks on there it sucks in that piece Mm -hmm. that you use for your zero stop and then when you get to your third revolution, which this one isn't obviously set at zero the yet. The pop will come up. Yeah, the pop will come up on the top. So you know you're so on your third So it's giving you rev. two points of visual. The the
1: lock is one point, and then the indicator is another. Yep.
0: And where that really kind of made sense to me, it's like, well, how many people are going past the first rev? How many people are going past the second rev? Um, when I was shooting that 308, that 16-inch 308 for a year, mm-hmm. and I was dialing out to 1,400 yards to you're see if read. we get it. I was at twenty-five mils. Yeah, you're on a rev now. Right. So that's kind of where it stood out to me, and I was like, you know, there may well, be a point where too. I need that. I have that. Yeah, at night when you have to physically feel, feel. what's going on. Um, but I still have that barrel, so I still need that rev indicator. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, if it's all good stuff,
1: what else did they have? What? what, uh, what he has a halfway indicator on here, huh? Why do they have a halfway indicator? It's pretty nice they do, but see he's got a half halfway mark oh
0: on the uh on the, uh, on the power? magnific yeah in the power setting there's actually a halfway mark which is cool it's got a uh, rapid eye adjustment too so it's not locked down to right, the actual no eyepiece yeah
1: it's not the eyepiece anymore they're doing a european type ocular adjustment where leopold used to be very similar to night force uh, where you have to unlock the ring and then turn the entire
0: uh, ocular this has the european rapid which is pretty new for leopold so they have a 5 to 25 that weighs less than 30 ounces up to 10 to 15 ounces lighter than any existing scope that's in its class and then you have the 3 to 16 that weighs less than 26 ounces what that means to you you pick up a scope that weighs about three pounds and it's a lot thicker than this boy right here mm-hmm. um, you're not going to want to exactly throw that heavyweight scope onto a hunting rifle what they're allowing you to do with this particular model it seems everybody's looking for the crossover between right. the precision rifle and hunting. Yeah, yeah. Well, a three to uh, the 3.6 to 18 is that is your crossover. Is it, right, right. Is your crossover in that world. That three
1: power gives you your field of view. You're going to turn it down, you're going to find it, and then you're going to zoom in if you have to. Or if, But if you don't have time to zoom in or can't, the three is giving you everything you need. The military hunters and law enforcement like those three powers because it's that big field of view for them. So that's, that's why you see three to 20s, three to this, three to that. Mm-hmm. It's, three that
0: to, it's that perfect range. Right. I'll tell you, it, just, from shooting, just from shooting, uh, just from going after coyotes the last weekend, we were using one to sixes, mm-hmm. and just getting a zero at 100 yards was a pain in the ass. I, um, I wanted my five to 25 back. I yeah, wanted yeah. a three to 18. I wanted a four to 16. I wanted anything other than a goddamn Did one six to six. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Uh, but And again we're, we're shooting minute of dog we're not shooting you know yeah. you know pie plate accuracy and it was just but it was something that i really i needed for myself so that that one to six is going away uh, immediately uh the reticles that they're going to be or the reticles that they offer right now are the tmr the h59 the tremor 3 and the cch the cch is the combat competition hunting rifle uh, uh is reticle. that leopold's Horus? uh yes basically so it's it's loophole. they have their the christmas tree style reticle Mm -hmm. so it's like a a christmas tree based off the tmr is what it looks like right so it it has your half mill markers your full mill markers Mm -hmm. um a lot of guys were looking at the tmr and they were going man that reticle is way too thick well the illuminated one yes is a little bit thicker Mm -hmm. the illuminated one is nice as far as the tmr is concerned because when you turn on the illumination it's almost daytime red right right so that if you're looking in the trees and the woods and anything that's dark you actually have a reticle and it is a little bit thicker the non-illuminated one is not as thick as that one gotcha we, we measured that all up and everything and of course they're backed by a uh, lifetime guarantee so there's other scope manufacturers out there that will sell you a guarantee or sell, the, you, when I, when sell I went, you a warranty and then give you a scope that comes with it yeah. these guys you know they've had that warranty since 1907. yeah so i went to
1: i went to leopold's factory and and just for they make more scopes in eight months than every European manufacturer combined in one year. So if you take every scope made in Europe, your Shirovskys, your Collis, your Schmittenbenders, your Zeiss, and if you put all of those Miapta, if you put all of them together, what they make in one year, Leopold makes in eight months. Mm-hmm. They have 700 employees over there. They can do three shifts. It's huge.
0: And it's in the U.S. It's, yeah.
1: And they're the largest <coughs> index machine factory If you um, if if you're uh, west of the Mississippi and you have a plant that has index machines, if you need a warranty part for your index machines, Germany index keeps them at Leopold to a certain extent. And it would ship from there to service the Western United States because it's such a big index machine factory.
0: And these guys, like, like I said, uh, this matters to a lot of people. Is it made in the U S yes, it is is made in the U S by Americans and that history goes back it's not just yeah well well is it made in the us by americans it was homegrown they get they get overseas tested they just well everybody in. does yeah. but it's here you know and all the engineering is done under one roof mm-hmm. it's all done here it's not you know outsourced or anything like that um a couple of my other notes i mean here. i still watch
1: the kid making there's there's like an 18 year old intern there making radicals for the hunting line by hand the wire radicals are still made by hand there. And they have a kid on like a little mini press thing with a, a camera and a computer screen. And it's a manual piece of wire that you kind of turn this little thing and it makes the cross. And then he has these press that cut it and press it into place. And so I've actually seen them make wire reticles still. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah, it is totally crazy. They're all crooked and shit.
0: One of the <laughs> <laughs> right one of the one of the claims to fame on this is that they run it through the Punisher test.
1: Yeah, they have a bunch of stuff. They have the dunk tank there that they so, put like 10, 10, 10 scopes in this like contraption. So there's
0: actually there's numbers put to this, but five thousand rounds. When they test these, five thousand rounds on a three seventy five H and H. Oh wow. And then they test it, so they'll do twenty five hundred rounds. Then yeah, they'll do they ten thousand. They then um, they'll do five. You know, did you
1: ever see the one here at Greeley at Burris Steiner?
0: Is it a drop one?
1: It's a pile driver. Yeah. Oh, okay. and, and so you're in uh, <coughs> Burris's factory here, and Steiner has their uh, department here too, and you hear what sounds like a pile driver: tink, 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 and it just sounds like something's you know piling a friggin' telephone pole into the ground type of thing. Right. And what it is is they load a scope into this frigging fixture and it's just pile driving on an I-beam and it's mechanical and it just goes ka-dink, ka-dink. And it's the metal on metal right. shaking. So Leopold has one that vibrates. They have a, a shaker like that. They have the underwater shaker because yep. I've seen it.
0: Well, they, and they when they go through this test, it's good that you bring that up because when they go through those tests, they go, okay, 2,500 rounds. Is everything still on the scope? Yeah, yeah. Can you still look through the scope? Yep. Right, and then they go, okay. Well, is it waterproof? Mm-hmm. It did it seal. Is it still sealed? Uh, does it still track? All right, run it through another, you know, thousand rounds. Run it through another thousand rounds. Run it through yep. another five hundred rounds, and run it against these other ones.
1: Yeah, they put like ten. Uh, the, the fixture I saw, for especially the underwater shaker, had like ten scopes on it. Mm-hmm.
0: You know. So yeah. So they go through they go through a lot of punishment. So what that means to you, the end user, is you can essentially drop this thing off of a cliff, you know, while you're hunting, and and you should mm-hmm. still have a scope that's prepared to shoot.
1: I mean, you got to look at your scope. Your scope is, like mechanically speaking, it has the most moving parts. It's the most delicate right. measuring it's, instrument it's, that it's you have. The, it's the biggest point of weakness. Why we kind of tell people, you know, put a little bit more money into it or make sure it works, make sure it tracks, make sure you know we put a lot of emphasis in our scope's adjustment. These are not spotting scopes. No. These are telescopic sights. And so what that means is the sight part of it has to adjust. Yes. And has to do what its job because we're combining an iron sight. It has
0: to do what you tell it to. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, it's every
0: like, time you tell it to do something, and that's why I get so upset when I see guys that you know they'll buy something like uh, like this kind of scope, and they'll go, okay, well, you know, uh, well, let's put it in some forty-dollar rings or something yes. like that. Yes, you're gonna take the most delicate piece of equipment that you have and let it ride on this recoiling machine mm-hmm. and, with $40 rings that probably aren't even straight? Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, We see it a
1: ton, man. Yeah. I mean, that's our biggest point of, I mean, I bring spare mounts and spare scopes for people because we see stuff that's just so subpar and changing the mount up is just a bad kind of deal, man. And, and you know, that these guys, it's a weak point. And you got to make sure this stuff is square and straight and everything's good.
0: We'll talk about the optic real quick itself as far as the glass is concerned. What I've noticed... Um, and Complicated I've Complicated sand. I, I've put this... <laughs> yeah, right? I've put this on uh, Facebook as well on the Everyday Sniper page probably like two years ago. Somebody wanted to see the difference between a Leupold Mark V and a Night Force... Attacker. Yeah. Attacker. And the Leupold Mark V, when you look through it and you can see it in the photos there, I don't know if they're still up or they should still be up anyways... Uh, if you're on Facebook anymore, I'm thinking about quitting that shit. But um, you look through it and the loophole is a brighter scope. Yeah, it is a brighter scope. The night force has kind of a darky tint to it. Um, is it a bad scope? No, it, it, absolutely a phenomenal scope. But the loophole is right up there with it. And this is kind of where mm-hmm. I'm gonna start tracking into the yeah. the marketing stuff.
1: where Where you want to check that stuff is find like a piece of woods like tree line woods or something mm-hmm. and put a target in the shadow, in the woods and don't make it white. it should yeah. almost be a mount. Yeah. Basically you almost want a deer mount Yep, and you need to go like really just three, six feet into the woods, put something there, then see what your scope looks like. If you really want to test that kind of stuff, You gotta go in. If you walk outside, like these scopes are designed for daylight. So you know your five thousand six hundred color, your Kelvin. So you're basically looking at a five thousand six hundred Kelvin light deal. Fluorescent lights are gonna make it look funny. Incandescent lights are gonna make it look funny because those are hit that too. Right. So those are in weird places. (laughs) Yeah. So outside all scopes should look pretty good if we're looking just a, if, if we walk out our front door here in your your area mm-hmm. and we look out your front door it should look the way it's supposed to now where you're going to see which one's going to beat the other is now it, two things can it look into that shadows and the in in peer into those woods like i'm talking about but then if you want to look at your scope and you want to really tell how good it is red and yellow Put something red and yellow out there because they don't normally adjust for red and yellow. So you'll see blue, greens, not reds and yellows. And so on an Air Force uh, color chart, the red and yellows always fall off hard and 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 the blue and black will stay pretty good. So that's where you wanna look. You wanna really push the scope, look into the woods.
0: Well, and that's the, again, going into that marketing stuff is the low light perception and creative marketing of the company. So you're looking at a scope in most places, in most places, in most cases, you cannot take that scope outside and look through it. Mm-hmm, so you right. have to, you have to be inside under their lighting, looking across their big you know, It's like SHOT Show. SHOT Show like with that
1: those that. sodium lights, everything looks terrible and yeah. everybody's looking through scopes at SHOT Show.
0: Exactly and a lot of people don't even know what they're looking for right. but what they do know is that that lighting has been tuned as far as the coating in the glass is concerned mm-hmm. so it's been tuned for outside for outside lower scope manufacturers tune them for inside so that they when look you look through it it, it pops good. and you go oh man that dude for the you know for the scope this is the best money i could spend no dude it is not right. The best money that you can spend is a scope that performs on another level for less. Yeah, yeah. That's the best money that you can spend, and I think that's what you get when you when you talk about a loophole. Eh,
1: I think it's a solid off. I mean, I don't know. I, I think they're on par with a lot of that, uh, but it is. Uh, I like what they did with the Mark V. I think the Mark V took them to a new level. I mean, I you know I think it's. I don't think you'd go wrong buying a night force compared to a 7 to 35 night force versus this. And you might see some variations. It depends what game you want to play with it. But I do think you'll get better crossover because it's lighter. So guys can play this the hunting They want to play both games. If you want to play long range hunting, this is where you're going to start looking at stuff. This is where you want to start looking in the woods. This is where you want to start comparing them. That's six feet into the tree line. Create a target that puts it into a tree line. Put it out there, include a little bit of red and yellow with that target. Then you'll be able to know what scope will get you to the next level. I'm not going to go as marketing as you on the thing, but I think it's a good solid it's, scope. Yeah, that, well, it Mike's was,
0: selling a little hard. <laughs> well, it's the difference between the scopes, though. When it comes down to it, how are they going to get these scopes moving into the market? Yeah. And they that's how they're going to trick the consumer into buying Well, no, something.
1: you're absolutely right about that. The lower cost ones, for sure, are playing games. Yeah, 100 are Right, they're playing games. And, and again... You get, what you, you can't compare this scope to a fifteen hundred dollar Bushnell no. and Athlon and all that. Yeah, you can probably get the picture to be pretty similar, but it's more to a scope than that. Like I'll give you a good example. Um, well, it's running around the internet right now. I just got in an ultra short and uh, Arkin, this new company OEM. It's a five hundred fifty dollar scope, and it when I opened it. And I'm feeling it, and I'm looking at it. Now, the reticle's a little bit to be desired, but it's not awful. But I'm looking at this scope, and number one, it feels solid. It's like, I'm like, wow, there's some heft to this scope. It feels good. Now, if I take the Nikon Black, the Nikon Black feels like a featherweight. Like Nikon's getting out of the scope business, so I could talk about the Nikon a little bit like that. Where are they going? Uh, they're not doing rifle scopes no more. They'll do spotters and stuff. No more rifle scopes for Nikon. A good idea. Yeah. Exactly. So the Nikon Black I actually sent to Jim Fish to have a review done, and there were some issues with it, and Jim sent it back to me. And this scope feels light, it feels hollow, and when you look at it, it looks decent. It's a good picture. But then Jim found all these weird anomalies with the turrets, and it's not quite right. Well then I take this Arkin and it's like it feels good. It's solid. Everything's good. It's a five hundred and fifty dollars scope. Well, what it is is these guys did about a fifteen hundred dollars spec in the scope, but they're two vet guys. They're they're OEMing it, and it looks like a fifteen hundred dollars scope. And it's like, yeah, it is pretty darn similar, but
0: it doesn't. Act we don't. Like we,
1: it. Yeah, but we don't know what it's going to do long run. You know what I mean? Right. We don't know where it's going to stand up. So while I think it's a great. I think this Arkin for 550 bucks punches well above its weight class. You're not going to go in, in. Guys who try to compare their thousand-dollar scope to their three-thousand-dollar scopes, You're, it's not
0: going to work. Everything looks Sounds great out of the box, yeah. right? Everything, when, yeah, it does. And when you open wh- a box, what's it going to look like three years from now after right. you've used it? They break down. Coatings
1: break down. If they're lesser coatings, they'll start breaking down quicker. Like, how many, there's a lot of USOs out there. You probably, guys probably took them in as trade that now are hazy looking.
0: Oh, yeah. The lenses look hazy. Yeah, we don't mess with USOs. Right.
1: But I'm saying you can see that where coatings and things break down. So it's a longevity thing as well. Like, I have some Schmidt and Benders that are 12, 15 years old that look like they've been. Day one. Fucking, well, the picture does. The outside of it looks yeah, like. Yeah, it looks it's, all beat up. It's beat to snot. Yeah. I mean, they're friggin' more silver on it than black. And, and it still looks good it still functions well you know but then you'll get a thousand dollar scope and eight eight thousand rounds into it, it it needs to go it's time to replace
0: it you yeah. know what I mean well and then you get those and here's my point is you get those five hundred and fifty two thousand dollar scopes we we'll call it 999 whatever you get those scopes and you say well this is a good scope for the money it's okay a so this stomp. is this is this is my my marketing picture mm-hmm. at it is well this is a good scope for the money okay well how much do you shoot yeah well let's say when you're shooting precision rifle let's say when you go to the range the average shooter let's say anywhere between 30 to 50 rounds in a setting mm-hmm. right they don't shoot you know like somebody who does this for a living they shoot when they go to the when they go to the range. They want to shoot thirty to fifty rounds. So if we start doing math on that and start doing barrel life and we start doing scope life on it, your scope, you know, over three four years could only have two or three hundred rounds on it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, this thing has lasted me forever. Right, right. Well, fuck, dude, we shoot two hundred to three hundred rounds in a weekend, and we've destroyed scopes. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know. It, as far as that is concerned, how much are you going to get into this? How much are you going to shoot? Is it a stepping stone? Yes, yeah. it's a stepping stone. However, comma, when you when you buy that $550 scope, you now have a $550 weight because mm-hmm. you're not getting rid of it. And no. if you do, you're it's getting rid of it hit. for a hundred bucks. Uh, yeah, 50. Okay, so you've, you're you now buying high to sell low and you just wasted $400 that you could have put into the $1,000 scope or the $1,200 yeah. scope. I'm not selling you guys on it. I'm just saying that that's how the manufacturers look at it. That's how they get you. And if you were to just invest your money into it properly the first time, you could have a scope that's going to last a you. long time.
1: Dude, like, you know, I'm laughing that, hey, Force asked for scopes back, you know, and mm-hmm. I sent them all the demos back. And, and it's like, okay, cool. Well, I just went and got all my old ones and put them back on because yeah, they'll so translate. They'll go from... Yeah. Just re-zero. Right. Just that's re- it? Re- yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, I have a lot of mm-hmm. old 10 and 12-year-old scopes that are good, high-quality scopes that I would not hesitate to use today. Are the radicals as good as we see today? No, it's a 12-year-old scope. So I'm right. using like a Gen 2 Leopold. Well, and that's,
0: again, going back to the SHOT Show thing is mm-hmm. it's going to be, you know, the the year of precision rifle as we right. know it. Like, we live in the golden age of precision rifle right now where there's a new radical coming out. Every week. Every week. And, yeah. you know, so-and-so's input on this and so-and-so's input on that. And then I took both of their ideas and I put well, together. Well, look, at zero compromise.
1: I mean, you guys probably did that. I don't know if they did it with you. They mm-hmm. sent me radicals. Yep.
0: Yep, we we There was a week. Them. There yep. was a
1: week. They just were sending reticles to us. Yep. You know, I, I know. I was getting them for zero. Compromise. We consulted
0: with those guys. We talked to uh, a few other scope manufacturers. Ones that are coming out of the blue that you probably won't even mm-hmm. like. Not you, but you know, the listener uh, may be like, "Really? Those guys are going to put out a tactical scope?" Yeah. And like we, you know, we've seen it and looked at it. And yeah. Said, okay, like well, the,
1: like the big Z's. And yeah. 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 And those guys. Yeah. They all come and bring reticles to you. I mean that's the biggest probably point of ND NDAs that I sign mm-hmm. is friggin' looking at
0: radicals. It is, and it kind of it's tiresome to a point, it is. you know, because <laughs> like a lot of it's all the same. There's we're, we're do, do I like you a, say something and I say something, but you and I both say something differently, and it sounds like we're arguing about some shit, nah, but we're saying the same shit. Yeah, it's it's like that with radicals. But it's funny because it's like it, 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 you'll you'll go
1: it, it'll be six emails about moving a point two line up or down Mm -hmm. you know how long should this point two line be It's like, well, what if you put it on five power? What does it look like? Well, you know, how long should this line be? Well, what if you do this? What does it look like? Well, do I want a floating dot? Well, you should want a floating dot. They're showing to
0: be successful. But what do you do around the dot? (laughs) Yeah, right. You know? like, Do you leave that space underneath (laughs) when we're trying to do a Christmas tree? That's the huge one. Like, where do you start the Christmas tree? You and I were talking about that like a year ago. Right.
1: Where do you start the Christmas tree? Yeah. Do you go all the way up to the bottom of the reticle like a Horus and just Christmas out of the center? Or do you give it a one two mil space to open up the field of view around the middle and then begin the Christmas how much are you
0: holding over the dude you're shooting a. do I
1: need wind holds at one mil that go out
0: five mils we were shooting dead nuts on a a freaking 223 and a 204 dead nuts on from one to 300 yards yeah dead nuts on Right. What am I holding over? Right. So you don't need that Christmas tree to start until two mils down
1: when you're getting out there. Like, honestly, I personally think if, if it was me, but I know it would never work. I wouldn't start putting Christmas trees until like your 500 yard dope, which would be three mils or so. You know, two and a half to three is I would give myself because, you know, 500 yards, you're talking three quarters of a mil for wind. Six hundred, one one to one and a quarter and this is like 308 stuff you mm-hmm. know what i mean and so it's like okay if i'm holding over at 600 yards which is my personal danger space i might need a mill of wind okay so give me a mill at the christmas tree right there and that's where it's going to come out but at 300 yards do i need a mill of wind
0: no in, in most situations no right in if you are if you do dial to the freaking center right it's so easy. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Use your reticle to your capability. Exactly. But so you but know just... what I do appreciate though is you know these guys that, that are you know kind of fishing around and looking for, well, what can we do better is really what I see mm-hmm. when I see that. Like I say it's tiresome to a degree, but because you see a lot of the same stuff. And you're just like, well, eh, maybe. Yeah, oh, you that know, looks yeah. like Vortexes. Yeah, oh, that yeah.
1: looks like Leopolds. Oh, that looks like Horace's. Oh, but the guys
0: looks... that are really into it are the ones that are like, okay, well, what can we do better? What What, what yeah. have you guys seen? And what What was your favorite mm-hmm. reticle of all time? Yeah. And me, I'm like H2CMR, favorite reticle of all time. Okay. I started on it. I love the two-tenth markers. I love the dots. Yeah, and I'm like, because, a, and I'm a Klein. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? So uh, it's similar, mm-hmm. but it's different. Yeah. You know? So, like, where do you... Where do you get everybody to like something that you're about to do and produce one product? It's a very very hard yeah. thing to do. Cuz everybody at this point right now in the golden age of precision rifle, <laughs> everybody has an opinion.
1: Yes. And and if a guy goes to a competition and does well, now his compi- his opinion should matter just as much as somebody's been doing it for 20 years. Exactly. You know, oh, I, I've been shooting for 2 years and I top 10 a PRS match. You know, I'm the one who should be setting the tone. It's like, "All right, dude, you're a rock star. But that's another topic. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, um, so what know. else
1: we got going on with Leopold there?
0: That's where we're at on Leopold, man.
1: I like the scopes. I like the Mark Fives. I recommend the Mark Fives when people ask. I'll get emails all the time. I, I don't have, um, I, I haven't reviewed or done anything detailed on them, but I know every time I've dealt with them, they've been good. I know everybody I know that uses them have had good experiences with them.
0: I'll tell you from an administrative standpoint, too. Um, just doing courses and spotting and adjusting people's wind for them. This capped windage is great and everything, but I, I like as it. of late, I've been dialing my wind, so I it's like not a, that I like it much better deal.
1: when they put that on top.
0: They put it on top. Oh, you okay? so doing you're, that too. You're shooting and you look over, you just tilt your head over a little bit and you can see that line right. up at the top where your windage is at, yeah. okay? What they're doing- But also, for when you're spotting- and can we just can not We can't get somebody on, paper or something or even on steel or something like that you go mike go over there and give me five tenths of freaking wind and have them hold center and i'm like okay get over there and when i see a scope like this it's nice because five tenths boom i'm right there but i'm looking at it from the top uh, top. and here's here's what we're talking about because you guys can't see what we're looking
1: at but look at a windage look at the the windage zero mark on your scope. Most of them put it at three o'clock, right? Three o'clock, so yep. it would be nine o'clock if you're looking at the scope and from the back, you know, but technically if you look at a clock system, nine o'clock, three o'clock. Okay. So nine o'clock is going to be towards the ocular and that's where they put the line dead in the middle of the scope and your windage is lined up low. So it's below your eyesight. Yeah, So
0: you have to roll your head, head to look at it. Instead of just it. Shifting your head.
1: Schmidt and Leopold now are putting the mark at 10 o'clock, almost 11 o'clock. Up. I mean, it doesn't matter. Wherever the mark is is where your zero would be, yeah. right? So all they're doing is in their engraving of the scope tube, they're moving the line from in the middle of the scope tube up to the top. Yeah. So it's at, at a clock system. It's at 10, 11 o'clock. Well, for us as instructors, when we look down at you, we can see it.
0: Yeah, we don't have to get on your level Level of of prone to go, okay, hold on. Let me show you how to put five tenths on your scope or a mil and a half or whatever. I can do it from the top real quick and just stand right there and wait for the next call Mm -hmm. and try to get that individual dialed in or do it myself. And
1: and honestly, that minor change to me is, I don't want to say groundbreaking, but I want to say it's impactful. That is. minor yes. change Impactful is a good word. to just move it from nine o'clock to 11 o'clock has an impact on how you operate. And I like that. And I, and, and, and I applaud Leopold for doing that.
0: Yep. So a lot of good things coming out of this scope. I, I haven't come across a whole lot of negatives. This is my personal first Leopold scope. I'm gonna put on that 6.5 mm-hmm. PRC. I'm gonna shoot with Casey. And then um, this is actually, this is gonna be his scope. I'm giving this one to him and then mm-hmm. I'll end up getting another one. But I, I'm obviously going to zero it. And it's going to be like both our rifles, you know, she yeah, just stay yeah. at my house. So I'm going to have an opportunity to shoot it because um, he'll be in town traveling in and out and everything. So I'll, I'll come back around to it and give you my personal, personal opinion as far as being behind the gun and shooting it. I've looked through it a thousand times. I love looking through this scope. When we do the Pepsi Cola challenge out there on the, on the stop sign, when we're, uh, when we're at the shop and everything, and we have all the high-end scopes out there. Uh, this definitely competes with it so it, it has my vote
1: yeah it's a good stuff what else where, where else have you been what else have you been playing with over uh, there oh and and you should look I just got a sh-
0: horny Ford off Kestrel.
1: oh yeah talk about some of that we'll, we'll end up we got like 12 minutes left man so so cool. I can probably
0: breeze through that real quick and mm-hmm. um just to catch up on we, that Ford off yeah we're kind of circling back around so our last course we were having some serious trouble with Ford off. So i called up hornady mm-hmm. talked and to then, yeah i talked to Jaden, and then i called up Kestrel, and i uh talked to them Yeah, katie katie yeah mm-hmm. talked to katie and there was a few things I don't think that i like been...
1: me i think they just tolerate me eh, <laughs> who
0: knows eh, you know 99 percent. yeah I hear whatever that. um so the biggest difference between the hornady ford off and the elite is going to be one how many guns you can carry right in that, in it doesn't have a range card and stuff. there's no range card and there's a certain verbiage that they cannot use because it's trademarked yeah so i mean like all in all is it a kestrel yes does it have a ford off system in it yes does it still have can you still adjust bc yes so like it still has a lot of the same feelings and a lot of operational stuff up front. Mm-hmm. It's just a different system under the hood. Right, right. So what I was looking for because I don't use Applied Ballistics, I've I've used it, but I don't like using it, so I just don't use it. Right, right. So I don't have anything on my phone for Applied Ballistics. I never had an Applied Ballistics Kestrel. I've played with them and taught people how to use them. And yeah, you guys like saw, I understand. You have them. Them on like sure. yeah, I get it, and I walk through people. Uh, you know instructional stuff over the phone i have powerpoints for it and all that stuff i just don't use it so getting into the ford off stuff there what there's not a whole lot of uh, meat and potatoes out there for you to kind of sort through as far as you know like operational standpoint why it does certain things the way it does or what Ford Off was actually doing for us in that course and why they changed the system yeah they changed so stuff. there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it and even talking to them it's like they there there's a very very technical answer but there's you know unless I'm doing it I don't understand it no. So hey, buddy, no playing. On, hey, get over here. He wants to play with me. He's trying he's to beat me up. He's all rubbing up on your microphone. Yeah. Um. So. Anywho, back to the Kestrel. Getting into the Kestrel, there is a simple setup system. Uh, do I need to get you guys a room? Mm-hmm. Pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> he's French kissing. Just, yeah. Just he's a he got a little bit of that Texas leg hound in him. <laughs> so just let him finish. It's probably best for everyone. Yeah. Go so, ahead. Um. With the Getting into the Kestrel and, and and firing it up, from my perspective, pulling up the phone app, so going into the Kestrel Ballistic app, mm-hmm. having it linked to the Kestrel itself, and then following the instructions was great. It led you to the right direction. Now I use I'm a big fan of Ballistic Arc. Yep. Ballistic Arc has never treated me wrong. I, I think, think we're I, gonna I, go
1: back that way because we talked about this. I'm yep, gonna get a hold I, I of I got Joe. my tablet
0: all set up for yeah, it. Yeah, so. we're
1: gonna go back to Ballistic Arc and, and because really Because we can just, build maps of
0: ranges. And right, we're gonna, so. there's,
1: there's, there's more function. It's a solid platform.
0: If mean, I wanted to transfer fifteen people data, you, this is the way to do to it. To do it, ballistic yeah. art, is do hands down the way to do but it.
1: But that's here nor there. But yeah, let's go back to so Kestrel in in the Hornaday and stuff. So you basically did
0: so. Musk when I was e. well, well, here's what I did is, when I was setting it up because I don't like having the jumps in all the extra data mm-hmm. there. Like i'm just anticipating It changes the elevation it changes the elevation i anticipate it i'm like dude i don't want to deal with it so i turn all the wind off because i don't need it right i turn the wind off wind zone one off but i tried something different and i put in the mile per hour of my gun for wind two for wind two so if it's a 308 i put four mile or four miles an hour in my six mil i put like uh six miles or seven miles an hour in and you know so on and so forth mm-hmm. so when i did that and then calibrated it i calibrated it at 800 yards, checked it at 600 yards, checked it at 1000 yards and everything lined up the same as my ballistic arc. Nice. So I was like, good. Well, perfect. Now I just have a handheld system. I don't have to use my phone like when I'm trying to figure stuff out real quick. I don't have to worry too much. So it was a super simple process to set up. I really like it so far. I'm going to do a little more shooting with it obviously and, uh, and put they some changed different something cuz we it.
1: we had that class we talked about where uh-huh. guys had a problem i had guys from that class send me messages like two weeks later and basically hornaday did an update and fixed the problem so whatever they did in that one intern and you talked to Jaden, and he said they were having an update issue or something broke something like they changed something broke something and sometimes
0: fixed. it's your phone too i mean yeah, you gotta have the is, most op- most up-to-date operating hell.
1: yeah i mean Honestly, I'm in a zone now where the apps are driving me so crazy because our phones are changing so fast. And it's not always an app problem. And I'm not trying to say it's an app problem, but
0: it is a function of the system we're using is the problem. Well, you have, again, it's you have one thing that's doing three things okay. Yeah. You don't have one thing that's doing one thing really well. Right. And so, I mean, I'm going back. Like, I've been
1: doing the my data books over again. I'm doing a laminated. I got... The lamination. I just bought a whole bunch of lamination sheets. I'm doing Ted's paperwork. I'm doing a bunch of stuff, and I'm going back, you know, closer to hard copy again. And and actually, I'm 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 a little bit happier playing hard copy and not even dealing with my phone. And I and I feel better even just leaving the phone in the damn car.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm trying to get away from my phone as well. That's why I'm trying out the different. Uh,
1: yeah, but the but the but the um. Hornaday's kind of working again. And and with that, I like the idea that you're putting your mile an hour gun in the wind and that lines it up. I feel
0: like it kind of hacked the system a little bit. It It worked. Yeah, and it brought all the numbers because when you do add wind, it pushes and pulls and drops and raises and everything like that. And it's too much. It's too much. There's too much information. So I was just like, dude, what if I just put the mile per hour of my gun in there and see what happens? And then boom, it it just bam, it just happened. And I was like, perfect done don't touch it yep leave it alone leave it alone but it just from
1: my standpoint it's really kind of a pain in the butt to um to recommend something to somebody and then like a week later an update breaks it yeah and then you look like the bad guy you know that's what drives me nuts and so it's easier I can say well here's a piece of paper and your info's not gonna break yeah you know you, you might break the tip on your pencil but that's about it I'm a Fisher Space Pen guy, so I order Fisher Space Pens. So you can write on the ceiling on the and ceiling, write on the, wall. on the wall, everything. That's pretty cool. I have a, in, in the So league you're league.
0: like the like a bathroom bandit, so yes, you can I have just like roll s- right up in a truck stop. Mm-hmm. Yep. Leave all people's phone numbers. Yeah, and stuff. your
1: number's there. Um, <laughs> I got uh, Mark's <laughs> number in one. It's true. If, mm-hmm. you, if you want to have a good time, time. give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> Mark. You won't have. You're such not a lying. Good, no, yeah. no, I'm not. I'm being honest. Yeah. No, So you can't fault me for it. Mm Mm-hmm. And if he lies there and giggles, just goose him and he'll be...
0: Right there. Right there on the side.
1: Yeah, yeah. All righty. What else we got? We're good, man. We're up on the hour. Yeah, we're all set. Um, I'm good, man. As always,
0: thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for subscribing. Tell your friends about us.
1: Yes. We need more. We're coming
0: up to SHOT Show. We're coming up to the year they're going to start... as soon as that year passes over, they're going to start announcing, you know, where everybody lines up in the Podbean app. And we like to we yeah. like to be up there. Yeah.
1: And, and guys, I see when you walk by me and you double take it because, you know, it's me. You could say hi. Just say hi. Yeah, I'm fine with just that. Say hi. Like, I think it's funny when people double take me. Yeah. And, and then they just keep on exactly. moving. Yeah. You can stop and say hi. I'll give yeah. you a sticker, man. Yeah. I had a one guy in the class. Give a nod. Say what up. Lost stickers and stuff. And he came on. He's like, I, my stickers blew out of the car on the way home. Oh from God. I mailed them new ones, Yeah, man. no it's problem. It's like, yeah, I'm good with it. So, yeah, you could say hi, dude. Even if you see me in a freaking airport and to do the double take, you can say hi. I'm fine with it. Yep. I, I get it. You're going to walk by me in first class and everything. And it might be a little weird, but <laughs> yeah. you could still say
0: hi. <laughs> and the seat's like double your size. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, you can tell when you guys recognize me. It's yeah. not like you don't notice it. Yeah.
0: But, Just say and hi. You're, cool. Yeah, Just exactly. Make him happy. Say hi. Say please. hi. Just fucking awesome. say hi so that he stops saying it. Yeah. All right, dude. All right, peace out. We're out.